0: We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your
1: finances. Money Matters. Brought to you by AJ Bell. Hi, I'm Laura Suter, and this is the Money Matters Podcast. My co-host, as ever, is Danny Houston. Hi, Danny. Hi, Laura. Hello, everyone. Uh, this episode is going to get
0: you up to date with all the price hikes that came in of all the days on April Fool's Day, from broadband and mobile costs to council tax and the end of those extra energy payments as well.
1: And we're also going to look ahead to the new financial year and we'll give you a few tips on how to spring clean your money and also help you boost your investment portfolio.
0: If you are a regular listener, you'll know that this pod and the Money Matters campaign is all about helping women get comfortable and confident with their finances. And one thing we know makes a big difference is having more women working in finance. Now, one role that gets loads of attention is the role of fund manager, kind of the rock stars of the investing world But only 12% of UK fund managers are women. I've been talking to Hilary Blandy from Jupiter Asset Management about the role and what we need to do to get more women following in her footsteps.
1: And even though she is a guru of all things finance and investing, she still had a very good confessional, which is obviously always the highlight of this podcast. (laughs) But let's crack on with our one big thing that you need to know about this week. And annoyingly, it's rising prices again. I know. It seems to be the only thing that we're talking about
0: at the moment. It just seems to be a fact of life. And April 1st was the start of the new financial year, kind of. Uh, It's the date, though, that lots of prices jump up with inflation. And Laura, you've pulled together... A pretty extensive and quite terrifying list of what's gone up and it is worth grabbing a pen and a piece of paper so that you're not caught out when those direct debits start going out.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I've put together a list of probably the the biggest ones where we're going to see increases and we'll start with a biggie, which is council tax. So most councils have decided to increase it by 5% this year. The government actually made a change, which meant that councils could raise council tax by a higher amount without having to have a referendum of um, the people that live in the borough. Obviously, it depends on what property band you sit in and also what um, local authority you're in because council tax varies across the country. But as an example, the average band D property in England is rising from £1,966 a year and increasing by £98 a year if it had risen by 5%. Now, that's a pretty meaty increase for lots of people and some boroughs have seen much higher increases Croydon council for example is increasing its rates by 15% I found out the other day Um, so definitely check you should get a letter through from your council with your statement um, and it will tell you how much your monthly cost is going to increase by of course you pay it over 10 months not 12 months so that increase is broken down Um, but also bear in mind that lots of people can get discounts on their council tax so if you're living alone or if you're living with children under the age of 18, or if you're on certain benefits, you can either get discounts or you can get your council tax for free. Um, another big one that shocked me when uh, it came through is mobile phones and broadband that is going up by a huge amount. So most of these companies link their increases to the RPI measure of inflation, which is the higher of the measures of inflation. Um, And then they add an extra bit on top. So that means that lots of people are seeing massive hikes this year. O2 and Virgin are among the worst offenders. They're hiking prices by more than 17%. So, If you're an O2 customer paying £30 a month for your bill, then you're going to see your bills rise by £62 a year. If you've got a more expensive phone bill and you're paying £70 a month for your bill, then you're going to see £145 a year added on to your costs. And That's a really tricky one because if you're in a contract, there's nothing you can do about those price increases. However... If you're out of contract by now, um, then you could switch away and probably get a cheaper deal by moving to a different provider or even just getting a newcomer deal with your current provider. A couple of other things that are increasing, prescription costs are rising by about 3%, so they're going to cost 30p more, going up to £9.65. Water bills are seeing a big increase. It obviously depends on your provider. Again, average water bills are going to rise by about £31 a year on average. So not a huge amount each month, but still something else adding to rising costs. And energy bills. We're very used to energy bills being the big thing that are rising in price. The government's energy price guarantee has been extended until the start of July. So that means we're being protected with average household energy bills still staying at £2,500. And the hope is that when that energy price guarantee from the government comes away at the start of July, actually wholesale energy prices will hopefully have fallen by enough that they'll actually have fallen below that level anyway. But the sting in that tale is that the £400 that we've all been getting off our energy bills this winter has now come to an end. So most people were seeing that as either... 66 or 67 pounds a month off their bill um, or going directly into their bank account we've now had the final payment for that so we'll no longer be seeing that handout now there are actually a lot of people particularly on prepayment meters who haven't claimed that full allowance yet and if that's you then definitely um, search on the government website or speak to your provider and work out how you can get that rebate.
0: Yeah, and some of the things are only going up by tiny bits. You're mentioning prescription costs there. And I know that there is extra help for women who are on HRT now. So if you are getting a prescription for HRT, do look out for that. But it's when you add all those things together and you also factor in inflation because inflation's still at double figures and food inflation's rising at its fastest in 45 years so it really is incredibly tricky for some people and that's why we say you know get a pen and paper and make a list of these things because you might well get caught out this month particularly with council tax because we haven't paid it for a couple of months and there is a bit of good news which will help some people um, coming in from the first.
1: Yeah, so the good news on the flip side is that lots of things are increasing. So whether that's kind of state benefits or living wage. um, And so that means that some people might see a boost to their income. Now, a lot of the times that's not going to be enough to counteract the rise that they're seeing in bills, but it's still, you know, every little helps. So if we look at some of the examples there, the national uh, minimum wage and living wage has gone up by around 10%. The exact rate you get depends on your age, but someone over the age of 23 will now get £10.42 an hour, which if you're a full-time worker on that national living wage, then that is worth an extra £1,677 a year. So a decent increase. Um, Other benefits like universal credit, state pension have gone up in line with inflation. And because that inflation figure is higher, that means that annual increase is more. So um, they've risen by about 10% as well. It means that the full flat rate state pension has gone to £10,600 a year. So a meaty amount for those on that state pension. Yeah,
0: it it sounds like a lot when you put it in that sort of context, but then when you think that it's only an extra £14.35 a month, the state pension, then actually for a lot of people who are paying ridiculous amounts for things like bread and milk, it just doesn't touch the sides. And we know yeah. living standards are falling. Um Uh, There was some really interesting stuff out from Kantar, which is a research group showing that a quarter of people were now using things, just simple stuff, like shopping lists to try and mitigate some of the worst impacts because I mean I've always done this I've always done a meal plan it just makes life easier for me Um, the kids know what they're getting there are no complaints then if they're getting something that they don't like it's on the board they know it's coming but it also means that when I do my shopping and I do an online shop. So again, I find that really helps keep an eye on prices and how much I'm spending rather than just, you know, walking through a door of a supermarket and thinking, "Mm, what am I going to buy now? Um, So we also know that, average pay has increased. Office for National Statistics said that um, it rose by 6.5% in the three months to January. Of course, not everybody got anywhere near that. And public sector is very different from the private sector. But when we've got inflation running at over 10%, um, it, it's really tricky. However, despite all of that, some people are still able to save. And I know quite a lot of people um, were able to save that cash that they got from the government towards energy bills. So if they are still able to save, if they're able to put money into a pension, uh, they're definitely going to be wanting to pay as little tax as they can. Uh, Savings allowances are reset on the 6th of April. So just take us through a couple of the key areas, Laura.
1: Yeah, so it's when all of your kind of allowances get reset, like you say. And so it means that you get these fresh limits on how much you can pay into various tax-efficient accounts. So an ISA is a good example. That allowance resets. You get a whopping £20,000 a year that you can put in to your various ISA accounts in a tax year. And so you'll get that fresh limit from the 6th of April. And that's money that you put in all ISAs. So whether that's investment ISAs, cash ISAs, or lifetime ISAs, all of those combined um, can total £20,000. The lifetime ISA has a separate annual limit of £4,000. So that counts towards that overall £20,000 limit, but a maximum of £4,000 in a lifetime ISA. Um, And we've got pension annual allowance that has just gone up. So the amount that you can put in your pension for most people is now going to be £60,000 this year. So more than most people would have. You also, it's £60,000 or 100% of your earnings. So if you wanted to put that full £60,000 in, you have to be earning £60,000 a year. Um, and the money purchase annual allowance, which is for those people who've already accessed their pension, they get a separate annual limit on how much they can pay into their pension. It was £4,000 and it's now rising to £10,000 from April the 6th. So I know that there's a kind of a a gap out there and there will be a gap in our listeners of those people who are kind of um, struggling to make their bills or just meeting their bills with not much left over. And then there are lots of people out there who are still managing to save. When we look at the, um, the Bank of England publishes some figures each month showing how much the nation is saving, there are still lots of people that are managing to put away money each month and significant amounts. So we know that those Higher allowances will be good news for those people, um, even if you're sitting there thinking £20,000 in my ISA is a is a pipe dream, but you never know what the year could bring. Let's all be optimistic about the fact that we might have that amount of money by the end of this tax year. <laughs> I
0: like optimism. Um, <laughs> um, and one last thing: if if you do invest in shares, so maybe you've got stocks and shares ISA or a SIP, self invested personal pension, or just a plain old dealing account, the start of the financial year is a really good time to take a look at your investments, your portfolio and figure out if you need to change up some of the things because it's not simply a matter of dumping investments that have been underperforming because then you might sell at a loss um, and those investments will hopefully recover over the next couple of years. But it is about figuring out if something that's been doing well, maybe has done as well as it's going to do, it's about making sure that your portfolio is diverse. So the idea is if, if one sector does well, another sector might not do quite so well, but it all sort of balances out over the year. Now, I will just say we don't give advice There is loads of help out there if you need it from financial advisors. And there is a free government backed website called Money Helper, which is brilliant, gives you all sorts of advice and help. So uh, make sure you do your homework there. Um, But you're right. I mean, people are in really different situations at the moment. and, And that sort of gap between people who have money and can save and are just making it to the end of the month or or not making it to the end of the month that gap is widening.
1: Yeah it definitely is and I think we kind of saw it increase during the pandemic with people that you know could work from home and kept their full salary um, and could save a load of money versus those people that got furloughed or lost their jobs and then we kind of rolled out of the pandemic into this cost-of-living crisis high inflation um, era and so I think that's kind of continued that divergence of people but I think this time of year the sun is shining as we record this it's hopefully spring soon and it is a good time to look at your finances and kind of check through make sure you're not overpaying for anything if you are in that camp of kind of really struggling or finding bills high um, Having some strategies, like you mentioned, Danny, of kind of going with a shopping list or setting a particular budget for your food shop, all the way up to if you've got lots of investments, really looking at those and how you invested over the past year um, and kind of having that overall look at your finances and, and working out where you can save money and also any tweaks that you can make to your investment portfolio. Very
0: good Thoughts indeed. And I know that we're all sort of looking at that inflation number and hoping that it is going to come down. Every indication is that it should come down by the summer, but there are no guarantees. And and certainly as we're recording this, um, we've just had some news from um, OPEC, which is the group of um, oil producers who are limiting the supply of oil which is going to impact the price of oil and of course oil plays a big part in our economies because of transportation and, and that sort of stuff so you know you you can't guarantee that inflation is going to come down as quickly as we all hope it's going to do.
1: Okay, so on to a different topic now. When we first launched Money Matters, we did some research to try and figure out what barriers stopped women from investing. Um, and obviously, we weren't surprised to find that a lack of disposable income was one of the biggest roadblocks, and there were lots of other issues. But one of them was the feeling amongst women that the investment industry doesn't really cater for them. And it's true, when you look at the big names in the investment industry, most of them are men. And it has been stubbornly that case for a while
0: yeah over the years there has been a big push by the sector to get more women into fund manager roles now a fund manager basically decides what investments go into the fund that they manage they figure out the sort of investment strategy and for years we've heard that having people from diverse backgrounds in these roles is absolutely crucial But as Laura said, you know, the drive to get more women into that job has pretty much stalled 12% globally. So what needs to be done? Well, who better to ask than one of the 12%? Hilary Blandy is Investment Manager, Fixed Income at Jupiter Asset Management, and I spoke to her about how she became a fund manager and why she loves her job. I think the first question... uh, For a lot of people, might be you're a fund manager. What is a fund manager?
2: Sure. So, um, a fund manager basically manages money on behalf of clients um, with a particular objective in mind. Um, So, to give you an example, um, the fund I manage is uh, the Jupiter Monthly Bond Fund. And that's a fund that um, tries to generate. attractive um, income stream so it pays out income every month and whilst limiting uh, volatility and also generating um, some capital gains too so i would manage that fund sort of in line with that objective trying to achieve the best performance i can Um, you can obviously get some different types of funds that are aiming to do different things
0: how did you get into it how did you become a female fund manager
2: ah so i you know, I wish I could say that there was there was some grand plan, but um, you know, actually, I got to the end of university uh, and I needed a job. Um, and I, you know, my parents didn't come from a finance background. I, I studied science at university, um, but they had this thing called the round where all the sort of big companies with the graduate recruitment schemes came to kind of present at my university, um, and I went along to a lot of those presentations. Um, And to be honest, I kind of came away still not really knowing what I wanted to do. Um, But I thought, um, I know, I thought investment banking, it kind of sounds interesting, it's quite well paid. Um, I think I'll try and get a job there and sort of park myself there for a few years while I I figure out what I really want to do. Um, So, you know, I was was quite thorough. I think I applied to every single bank on the list. Um, I had a few pretty disastrous interviews, but the more interviews I did... Um, you know, I guess the more practice I got, the more I figured out what kind of things they were going to ask me. Um, and, you know, eventually, I think through a combination of, of luck and perseverance, I got I got a job um, at Citigroup. Um, so I, I went off there. Um, yeah, you know, It was OK. I quite enjoyed it. But I think I always had this feeling that, you know, I hadn't really sort of found my career. Um, but I ended up staying there for about 10 years. Um, and then I saw a job advertised at Jupiter um, that kind of fitted with what I'd been doing there, um, and so I moved came into fund management quite late in my career. Um, I started at Jupiter um, as a credit analyst, um, and really, I guess, sort of worked my way up um, from from that, um, eventually becoming a fund manager.
0: It's amazing how many times I hear people saying that they fell into their career. I certainly did, and so you moved into finance. It is still quite a male-dominated sector. How did you find it? How many other women were you working with?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, it, it really is. It's a problem for fund management. There really aren't enough women, um, you know, and it, it's really not great for for the, for the businesses because if you're only recruiting from from half the population, you're, you're not getting the best people. Um, and it and it really saddens me because you know I think it's such a great career, and there are all these sort of women. Um, missing out on 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 what they what they should be doing but um no it it you are often you often find yourself in meeting rooms, even now where, where you're the only woman. Um, I think it's sort of happened so much to me that I, I don't really notice anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't really put me off. But I, I can certainly see how that could be off putting off-putting for some people. Um but you know, I think I think the industry is is really aware that it's it's an area that we're not doing well in, and, and I think people are really um, keen to change that
0: so how do you make your voice heard then in a room full of guys and if you're the only woman sometimes or, or has that now got to a point where frankly you you're just one of the team
2: um i think for me i think they, i think perhaps because i have always worked in this quite male dominated um sort of world i think you have to just be confident that you're there on your on your own merits and you know i think I think fund management particularly is a business where really your success can be um, is quite measurable, um, you know, and you kind of are judged on your numbers. So, you know, I think you just have to remember that that your opinion carries as much weight as everyone else's. And certainly don't don't hold back and and just go for it.
0: Um, I've got a couple of girls and. I talk to them now about maybe what they want to do in their career and finance is never something that they speak about it's it's not mentioned really in schools so how do we get more women you know from teenage years studying the right things and entering finance
2: yeah, it, it's a really good point, um, and it's something we really um, come up against, in that when, we, when we're hiring, we're really keen to hire women, but we actually find that not, not that many women seem to be applying for, for our roles. And I think um, there's maybe a common misconception that a lot of what we do is very technical. Um, you know, women tend to be underrepresented in, in the STEM subjects, and I sometimes wonder if actually women who have studied art subjects that kind of put off a a, a sort of a career in finance, Um, you know, thinking they're sort of not mathematical enough, but, you know, the reality is that a a fund manager needs to have a very sort of broad and generalist skill set. So, you know, we do work with numbers, you've got to be comfortable with that, but, you know, a lot of fund managers aren't really doing anything that's terribly um, sort of technical or difficult. And actually, um, communication skills are important. The ability to multitask is important. Um, You're maybe kind of assimilating a very kind of broad, uh, very sort of um, huge number of different information sources and trying to kind of form opinions around that. Um, Your teamwork is really important. So it's a really broad skill set. It's an absolutely fascinating career path. It's one in which you're learning things every day. Um, and there's absolutely no reason why why women shouldn't be um, thinking about this. You clearly enjoy it. Yeah, I love
0: it. <laughs> so, What's the best part of your job day to day? What's the bit that you really like doing?
2: the best part, I think, you know, trying to generate a, a good return um, for our investors um, and protecting capital when times are tough in itself is just a really motivating thing to be doing. But then, you know, day to day, no day is different. Um, You know, I find it absolutely fascinating. I learn all all sorts of things about all sorts of um, different topics. And so, you know, for me, I I really enjoy coming to work. I really enjoy doing my job.
0: How important do you think it is to have women like you, you know, flying the flag to, to show women that, A, you can get into financial services, there is a role for you, but B, also for women who are thinking about their own investing journey to see people like you managing their money?
2: Yeah, it's really important, isn't it? Because I think it just normalises this. Um, you know, we all need to kind of be responsible for our money and to feel comfortable investing it. And you know, I think having having more women out there will hopefully encourage others to to follow that path.
0: So you were saying earlier about the fact that you were managing volatility and you enjoyed that part of it, it has been an incredibly volatile year. I don't think, apart from sort of 2008, 2009, I don't think I've known a year when the media, the mainstream media has talked so much about finance. In many ways, that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, yes. it's. I mean, it's certainly been a, a really interesting year. Um, you know, obviously we've seen these absolutely... So sort of huge shift in in expectations around inflation, um, and you know a lot of that has actually is actually derived from the from COVID, the pandemic, you know, followed by war in Europe, and it, it has been you know a really fascinating time because you know we don't come across global pandemics very often, um, but there isn't a playbook for that. Um, and what has really been clear in the markets is that you know no one has really been successful in in sort of predicting how this would all play out. And I guess it just comes back to why it's so important to have, have diversity, to have diversity amongst our managers. You know, At the end of the day, no one has a crystal ball. No one knows exactly what's going to happen. And you really need people with a broad range of perspectives looking at things.
0: If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever secretly oh. have a desire to be a ballerina or a singer or an actress, you know? Oh, or... gosh,
2: this is, this is so geeky. When I, when I was 11, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I, uh, I watched a whole load of Time Team, and I, I think I loved the idea of digging, digging stuff up in the mud. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure what I would be doing if i wasn't doing this.
0: <laughs> Hilary, look, it's been brilliant to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Hillary Blandy there from Jupiter Asset Management, and as we always find, even those working in finances have financial confessions. So, what was Hillary's? Danny? Well, I'm not sure if it was a confession or more a badge of honour. I certainly think that a lot of
0: mums will be in the same boat. So, okay, share with us your financial confession.
2: Okay, this is this is a pretty bad one. Um, I, uh, I bribe my kids to do their homework. Um, and I, I kind of live in fear that their teachers will find out, although I know kids tell their teachers everything, so they, they probably know already. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's not great. I think it, there's a little bit of negotiating that goes on, but yeah, that, that's my confession.
0: I don't know, I think that's a valuable life skill and totally fair. I bribe my <laughs> kids as well to do their homework. I imagine everybody listening is probably thinking oh yeah either they do or they're thinking about it if it works
1: (laughs) yeah I think lots of parents will definitely agree with her approach and I think probably 90% of my parenting of a toddler at the moment is based on bribery so I can imagine I will be there in a few years time (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I've certainly done it and um, my eldest is heading towards GCSEs and I'm afraid I've done what I've vowed that I wouldn't do, which is to say that I would give her cash for every GCSE pass that she gets. But, you know, there we are.
1: Someone at my school got a car if they got a certain level of GCSEs. I mean, I can only aspire to that level of riding. Wow.
0: Yeah, (laughs) not happening. I'm not (laughs) even going to
1: let my daughter listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's it for the podcast today, but do get in touch if you have any questions or comments. We always love to hear from you. It would be really great if you could subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It helps other people find it, but also recommend it to friends, family, or colleagues that you think might be interested in the whole wealth of topics we cover.
0: Yeah, you can also find us on social media at AJBellMoneyMatters on Instagram. We're also on Twitter and TikTok. And we would love it if you would sign up to our newsletter as well, because that way you never miss an episode of the pod. You get a whole load of other great content, giveaways and in-person event details as well.
1: On our next podcast, we're going to be tackling a great big relationship myth, and that is around the rights you have or very much don't have as a cohabiting couple if you're not married, even if you've got children together. So we'll be delving into what your rights are if you're a cohabiting couple, and also why there are calls for the law to be changed. Until next time, thanks for listening.